Hi, I'm Tom Fennick-Smith, and this is the Genuine X Podcast. We have partnered up with our friends at Ericsson to find out more about their Innovation Awards program. The Ericsson Innovation Awards is an annual global student competition that sets a new challenge every year. This year's theme was Dive Deeper, a call for teams to take inspiration from under the surface of our oceans. We will be speaking to this year's finalists, each of which has an idea that could change the world. Joining me for these conversations is Carrie Mahoney, Genuine X's Head of Strategy. Today, we're chatting with Team Japan, otherwise known as eSwift. In a bid to reduce the need for fossil fuel and nuclear energy, they have designed an economical network of smart, multifunction platforms that can extract energy from wind and wave resources simultaneously. This potential network will be able to self-configure to optimize power production from these renewable energy sources. In this episode, we discuss the potential of the eSwift design system to generate power without negatively impacting the environment, as well as their ambitions for the future. It's lovely to have you with us. We're obviously in Sweden at the moment, which is not our usual recording location, so it's quite an adventure for us as well. First, we'd just like to go around. You guys can just introduce yourself. So if you'd like to go first. My name is Mehdi. Actually, I'm originally from Iran. I'm studying and live in Japan. Joined to the team a few months ago. And I'm working on computations and simulation, basically. Okay. Hello, my name is Yuriko Kai. I was born in Japan and I studied in Japan. My research topic is mining kinetic turbine. Wow. Now I'm a master's student now. Thank you. Okay, my name is Min. I'm the leader of the ESWIP team, originally from Vietnam. After high school, I went to U.S. for my bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. And then um, I moved to Japan in 2016 for my uh, PhD. And um, the ESWIP idea was a spin-off of my current research. And um, what was your PhD in? In mechanical engineering. In mechanical yeah. engineering. So you're the eSwift team. You're quite a unique team within the finalists because you've taken two very interesting areas and combined them together. Could you just tell us a little bit about what eSwift is? So the the letter E is, is basically uh, number three backward. Mm-hmm. So it's three S, stand for smart and self-stabilizing. Mm-hmm. And then the WIFT part is wind water floating turbine. Mm-hmm. So it is a smart device that can extract energy from both water and wind resources. And when you say device, in my head, I see that as being something quite small. But actually, this is a very large device. Right, that is correct. How big? Well, it depends on the rated power of the turbine itself. But um, currently in industry, one of the common uh, rated power is 5 megawatts. And the um, the rotor diameter is probably around ninety meters. Wow! So that's that's really big, right? Yeah. So that's a huge device, and it's really up high in the sky. <laughs> so this is a device that floats. Yes. It takes energy from the waves and from the currents, or from the waves, from the currents. Well, f- yes, for our ideas, from the currents. From the currents, and then you also collects energy from the wind. Yeah. which happens a lot, right? That is correct. Okay. Well, and how how did you all kind of start in this project? I Min, mean, I know that you said it's kind of your ongoing research, but what was really the challenge that you were hoping to solve with this device? Well, so in Japan, I work a little bit in the wind energy industry. Mm. And right now there's a big project going on for floating offshore wind, 
basically instead of building the wind turbines on land, they move it offshore, floating on the sea for like on deep water, and um, it was considered a successful experiment recently. However, there are still a lot of unknowns. For example, to keep the floating platform stabilized on the sea surface, they have to basically attach like huge chain and then bolt them on the seabed. We don't know for the lifetime of a turbine, which is typically 20 years, what's going to happen with those mooring lines. <laughs> and um, maintenance and installation of those lines are very difficult too. And uh, because of the huge wind turbine device, uh, it requires also a big floating platform that costs a lot of money to build and it drives the cost of the energy a lot. Mm. So that's the two main problems we are looking at. Great. So with your device, you don't need to tether it to the ocean floor or is it because the counterbalance of the weight? The that's it a or very good question. <laughs> so when we heard about that mooring line has to be bolted permanently on the seabed, the first impression is why don't you use something like a ship type anchors because it's temporarily and you can retract it for maintenance easily. And um, the, que- the answer is it's not strong enough to keep the floater stabilized on the sea surface. So we propose a system that can help with the ship type anchors to stabilize the floater on the sea. So what I'm thinking is that because you're collecting energy through current and through wind, the amount of energy that you can generate can offset the cost and the issues of having one or one or the other, right? So it becomes a much more efficient platform for generating energy. Yes. So to reduce the levelized cost, you can either increase the energy productions or reduce the cost of the whole system. And we are actually aiming for both. Yeah, why, <laughs> why not? Go for it. <laughs> And then I was looking at, you guys have very kindly brought in a model, which is just over there. No one, can, no one else can see it. But describing it, the wind turbine itself catches my eye because it's not what I would consider a traditional wind turbine, right? Could you just talk us through a little bit about turbines and the turbine technology and why you've chosen to go for vertical turbines? Well, so um, in wind turbine, there are traditionally two types. One is horizontal axis and vertical axis. And the wind turbine everybody think of is horizontal axis, which is probably 30 to 40 years in advance compared to vertical axis technology. But we think nowadays when we start putting the turbines on the sea, vertical axis turbines has some advantage that worth to chase now. If you think about a horizontal axis turbine due to the rotational axis and the huge rotor diameters, All of the heavy equipment, such as the gearbox or the generator, the electric generator itself, has to be high, really high up the sky. But if it's a vertical axis turbine, you turn everything 90 degrees like this. So suddenly, all your heavy equipment from the sky is going to be down on the sea level. Mm. So it's all about your center of gravity, essentially. Exactly. Wow, that's interesting. And having already been working on um, kind of wave technology or underwater energy, let's say, what were you able to bring from that research and kind of those projects kind of into this one, other than the obvious of gain power underneath the surface? Well, so to be more specific, our current research goal is we study how vertical axis turbine um, interact with with each other. Um, The key idea is when you put two turbines together, very close to each other, the turbine blade will actually help each other to generate power more efficiently 
And uh, very interesting to me because I started with the mooring line problem and we came up with a quadcopter uh, mechanism. And then suddenly, because it's similar to an air drone, that is can actually move the whole system on the sea. So now it's kind of tied up to my research that if you can control the distance between the turbine, you might be able to produce more power. Yeah, to increase that efficiency, especially which is so awesome considering that you're dealing with something so big and immovable in the traditional sense, but the idea that you can improve efficiency based on that is awesome. Thank you. I, I, I kind of think of it as a little bit dangerous than <laughs> awesome. <laughs> the other benefit uh, that I'm considering with these, when I, when I kind of look at your guys' model, is that because it's not fixed, it doesn't obviously need to stay in one, one place, right? So you could actually travel with the currents with these and then download the energy from them. Is that something that would be, is in your kind of mindset? At the moment, we are thinking about optimizing the position of the single nodes in order to get more energy from every one of them. But we haven't implemented yet, and we are thinking about the optimization and the topology optimization of the whole form of the turbines. Mm -hmm. So you could effectively have... We have considered it. Yeah, a a range of platforms Mm -hmm. sort of all over the place, either creating a network locally, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as an off-sea area, or you could have them around the globe picking up different data and where the energy would be best, no? That would be a really interesting idea. And um, for now, we mainly think into the local path. But of course, in this world of IoTs and development of communication system, something globally will be very interesting to look at. Yeah. What is the biggest challenge? You know, because I think... Obviously, renewable and sustainable energy has has been around for a while. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about us being able to replace a significant amount of our energy usage. And and, and what are your team's kind of views on is renewable energy a viable way for us to power kind of our current world or let's say the future world? Well, so for the current world, I think we still need to stick with um, traditional energy sources and um, renewable energy will add a nice layer on top of it to keep the power um, supply more consistent and you don't have energy outage during like peak hours. And uh, looking into the futures, um, renewable energy has got some criticisms, mainly um, the consistency of the renewable energy source and also the cost of the energy itself. And we are thinking, for example, in wind, nowadays we are moving offshore just because we have more consistent uh, supply of wind resources. So maybe the problem of consistency will be reduced as we move offshore. For the cost problem, that's what the eSwift team is um, behind. Um, so hopefully as the technology is more developed, we have more interesting or innovative ideas to reduce the cost of renewable energy itself. Of course. Well, especially considering kind of maybe smaller nations or island nations who have much more access to a vast amount of ocean whereas land isn't always readily available for things like that. And the consistency, we can see really big applications for that, of course, can't we? It can be one of the ways that we can go. But to be honest, I personally don't know what, what the future is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think everyone wants it to be a very simple solution that we replace fossil fuels with, the, with that. Simple. It's much more complicated. And maybe 
you need a lot of different solutions in order to kind of replace what we currently have. Right. But I guess one of my ambition is to make the world more aware of the current technology of renewable energy mm-hmm. and try to push it in the right directions. Mm-hmm. And what's in the future for you guys? Like, What's your Mark II version look like? Well, so the um, prototype you are seeing is a 200 milliwatt system. 200 milliwatt system. Yeah. Um, what does that mean? What does that mean? How do we translate that? Uh, probably if you blow a fan through it, it can generate, it can, it can light up a light bulb. Oh, cool. That's okay. Like a small light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a big one. <laughs> if I have enough time and budget to develop more of this, um, I would work do some real engineering calculation on the um, mechanism that we propose for stabilizing itself and also work a little bit on um, adjusting the distance between the turbine for more power production. So the thing that stabilizes the platform itself, does that generate energy by the way it moves or is it the water traveling through the um, system itself in the current? Um, In terms of energy flow, is the the wave the energy of the wave mm-hmm. and the current that move the platform so the energy of the ocean transfer into the unnecessary energy of the platform motion that we don't want and we need to um like damp it down so it's unnecessary type of energy so how so how do you damp that down by more ballast well so first talking about the ballast any kind of uh, floating platform will need some ballast chamber Mm-hmm. for sure, to make them stabilize. Um, in terms of uh, helping with stabilizing it to damp down the motion, we think about putting something like an adron under the floating platform. Mm-hmm. If you think about an adron, they can fly and stabilize themselves in air. And then the exact same system can be put underwater to help the stability of the f- platform. Interesting. Oh, so they, so they it, it automatically adjusts to kind of always level out, essentially. Yes, yeah. And we, you started to bring up kind of the next stage of testing. How, yeah, how do you go about testing something like this? Obviously, you start with a model version. You're not building the 90 meter high one. But yeah, how do you go about kind of testing this for such a large scale application? Well, I guess in this modern world of computer science, engineers always start with simulations of anything. Of course, we would simplify the system by smaller systems, subsystems, and then we simulate we simulate each of them and then see, kind of predict how they work together. And I think that's the way to go. But once we have all the simulation that we can trust, we will have to start building the real system for testing. And of course, we will have to go from like the small model and not so small before we go to the like real big model. <laughs> yeah. And course. so has solving problems always been something that's interested you? Is that kind of what brought you together, the the enjoyment of cracking a brief or solving a problem? Well, for me, that's why I go into engineering, because I like solving problems day by day. Because of my background of combination of mechanical engineering and mathematics, I cannot say that I'm interested in mechanical engineering projects yeah. directly, mm-hmm. but it was very interesting for me to, to be involved in a real-world problems. I mean, if you had come from a mathematical background i mean solving problems is the exciting thing right exciting but you know the problems in mathematics is a bit different from the daily problems yeah daily problems we are facing in department the mechanical engineering department yeah 
That's a shift, isn't it? To solving a problem on paper, to solving a problem in the real world. You have to change. You have to change my mind, yes. Yeah, you have to change the way you think, don't you? Yuriko? I started to study uh, marine kinetic turbine in this April. I am interested in hydrodynamics and renewable energy. Then I was fascinated by E-Swift. I mainly made physical models and did experiment. Wow. Because what we find that everybody gets into this in a different way. Some of them have a specific problem that they want to fix, like an environmental science idea. Some people are just engineers and they really don't, they couldn't care less what the problem is. <laughs> you know, they're just interested in the application. So it's always, always interesting to hear people's motivations. It seems like this has been on your mind for a very long time. So you dedicate a lot of time and research to it. Well, to be honest with you, I'm one of those engineers. I <laughs> like to bang my head into problems, and I tend to not care about the other aspects of the project. But interestingly, that this Ericsson uh, Innovation Awards experience um, gave me deeper thoughts about the business side of a new idea. So if you have a really nice idea, you have to make it profitable to convince the world to give you some money to build that. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that it made me actually think deeper about the business side. We had a team in earlier who were mentioning there was a transition between being a student to an entrepreneur. And I thought that was a really interesting insight. And Is that something that you feel like you've experienced? Yes, but I don't really consider myself like a regular student. I have quite some um, industry experience. So when I think a problem, I tend to think about like the real world problem. But yes, yeah, somehow it still give me more, I would say, um, motivation and interest into the entrepreneur thinking. Mehdi, how about, how about you? Has this change, has working on this project maybe changed your mind a little bit to, to think less theoretical about things and, and, you know, are the more practical side of things? Or are you excited to get back? <laughs> get, back get back to the math problems. <laughs> so, if I want to be honest with you, I'm, I'm more interested to come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this is the practical way that I can contribute to the future. Yeah. So I prefer to be connected with them. I will continue with them. But I'm more interested in mathematics about the background that I have. Yeah. And it's something that some of the other teams have touched on as well, and I think it kind of resonates with you mm. too, is that doing this and coming up with ideas like this is part of legacy. It's kind of part of what you would like to contribute to the world. Is that true? Well, I guess for me it's true. Yeah. I, I need more time to think about. Yeah. <laughs> you strike me as a thinker. Someone who likes to go away, think these things through and then Some, come back. Someone. Sometimes, Some. yeah. Very sophisticated man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so the Ericsson Innovation Awards, and that's why we're having this conversation and it's lovely to finally meet you guys in person. What drew you to take part in it? I think I saw an advertisement on Facebook about like innovative idea somewhere going into the sea. And at that time, I was doing a marine hydrokinetic turbines experiment with Eureka. We've done a, quite a lot of research in our laboratory of uh, marine turbines. 
So it's like, okay, maybe we might be able to submit something. But once I sit down and I started thinking about the problems, it's changed quite a lot from my the experiments we'd been doing in the lab. And then I started going to Maddie, like, I need some computer guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I came to yeah, I came I, to the story. He need a math guy, that's what he needed. Yeah. <laughs> and then if money was no object, if there was no um limit to your ambition around this um, you know if you won all the awards that came down what would you guys wish for here like what is the end goal for me personally i would want to make some connection with people that have the same ambitions for a renewable energy world in the future yeah. and kind of help us to develop the idea and the design more maturely so um, we can make it real one day yeah. <laughs> so just bringing it into reality yes. is the goal yeah. that's what we want I mean when it's something that big it's a lot of effort right it's going to be incredible to see it float one day yeah I personally prefer to hire some other guys <laughs> <laughs> to share the burden yeah yeah know? yeah well I think that just about wraps us up but thank you very much thank, no, you. thank you very much for it's been really nice to speak to you really guys nice thank to you. Speak to you all thanks for your time and, and we wish you uh, the best of luck not just uh, with the Ericsson Innovation Awards but of course in the future can't wait to see the, a bigger prototype yeah, one day. yeah. <laughs> Why not? Thank, you. thank you all thanks Team Swift. Their idea for a self-stabilising water and wind flotation system to help drastically reduce the need for fossil fuels and nuclear energy is a pretty encouraging one for both us and marine life. We hope to hear more about this team's invention in the future. You can find out more about the Ericsson Innovation Awards and all the other finalist teams at ericsson.com where you can also find details on how to apply for next year's Ericsson Innovation Awards. All links can be found in the description below. Thank you for listening to the Genuine X podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe.